Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The naming conventions for Irish pubs could be said to be mostly fairly standard. Ryan's, Walsh's and Smith's abound in Dublin and around the country, as usually a pub is named after the owner or an old owner. But sometimes people get creative. They think outside the box a bit and give a pub a name that can't be forgotten. Today we're going to tell you about a few pubs with interesting stories behind how they came upon their names. Welcome to Publin, a podcast about the culture, history and heritage of pubs at home and abroad. For today's show, I've picked out a special selection of pubs to talk about, all because of their names. Some of them have been chosen just because of how odd they are, and others because, while they might seem normal on the face of it, also have some special story or meaning behind them. We're going to start today with a pub that no longer exists, save for in sketches and memories of those who lived in the area. This is one of the weirdly named pubs. Brace yourselves now. The pub is called Ye Old Grinding Young. Let me say that again for you, and take a second for it to sink in. Ye old grinding young. The pub existed on Clambassel Street Upper, Dublin 8, where the street meets the bridge that carries you on across into Harold's Cross. To the right of the bridge, as you're leaving town, there's a row of two-storey buildings. There's one still in use as another pub, MVP. There's a scrapyard, and an attached building, now in a state of mild disrepair. It's coated in red and black paint, and on the ground floor still visible are engraved windows with select bar and wine, spirits and beers carved into them. The latest incarnation of this building as a pub was The Man of Arran, which might be familiar to some listeners who knew the area in the 80s and possibly 90s. The pub was also at other times known as The Poplars and Carews. But if you were to go back to the 1960s, this pub was known as Ye Old Grinding Young. I can't stop saying that name because it's so bizarre, and it's as if your tongue and brain are trying to figure out its meaning, but aren't really working together. 
There exists a sketch of the pub made in the 50s or 60s by the artist Flora Mitchell, an American-born Irish artist who is known for her paintings of Dublin architecture that have since disappeared. She sketched and wrote a book about a meandering walk around the old city called Vanishing Dublin. In her sketch of this pub, the artist captures a period in time when the pub was owned by a landlord by the name of Kavanagh, and we know that Kavanagh had two pub dogs because Flora Mitchell included them in a sketch. So, the big question is, what does it mean? One big clue as to the meaning of the name comes from a comment on the Come Here To Me blog where the commenter recollects about a hanging sign on which the paint was at least an inch thick from repeated overpainting and which showed a man in 18th century dress being fed into a mincer as an old man and coming out at the other end as a young man. So, how's that for an odd one for you? What on earth could it mean and what possible relation could this iconography have to a pub? After a bit of research, we've concluded that the pub takes its name from a folk tale of sorts that seems to have been pan-European. Basically, the folk tale, as shown in the pub sign, tells us of an old grinding mill into which older people are fed, ground down, and somehow miraculously reappeared, not in any disintegrated state, but rather reformed as themselves in a younger form, or perhaps as an entirely new young person. Clearly this myth existed in Irish folklore as well as on the continent, as otherwise how would this pub come to have this name? In Slovenia, there is a similar myth known as Babji Mlin, or Grandmother's Mill. The numerous instances of the appearance of this motif in Slovenia come from decorative panels placed on beehives depicting an old woman being placed into a mill and being ground up and coming out the other end as a beautiful young woman. She is usually being placed into the mill by either a man or a devil. Bloody typical, isn't it? With a shower of absolute bowsies. In 1930, the artist Franza Sedlacek was described by Life magazine as the world's craziest painter, and that same year he painted an elaborate satirical painting, The Mill of Rejuvenation, that depicts scores of men escorting their wives to the local mill to be fed into the mill and rejuvenated by the miracle of modern machinery. I think that you can guess that this was not a voluntary process for those involved and the women were pushed into the machinery to begin the process. This at least tells us that the myth was known about in mainland Europe, or at least preserved in written sources enough for this artist to come across it and give his own modern take on it. It's not necessarily so that every tradition of the mill relates to feeding women into it, and it does appear that the focus is on both men and women in other traditions. And it does seem that the Dublin pub in question featured a man being fed into the mill rather than a woman. The myth is first traced back to 1600 in Dutch folklore, 1630 in Germany, and 1672 in England in the book The Merry Dutch Miller and the New Invented Windmill. The first recorded instance in Ireland comes from a publication printed in Belfast in 1820 and shows both men and women seemingly willingly climbing up a ladder to a mill with smiles on their faces and drinks in their hands. On the right side, the old and infirm are hobbling up the stairs. In the middle, a strong man turns the crank, and on the left, adolescents in bonnets and fresh clothes churn out the side of the mill. On the stretch of pubs that now, and once existed from Clambrussel Street to Patrick Street, the old grinding young is the oldest licensed premises, dating all the way back to 1760. In terms of the location of the pub and the street in 1850, the area was described by Church of Ireland Minister Nathaniel Burton as being set amid umbrageous fruit trees, which is a far cry from the area as it is today, fully developed without a patch of grass to be seen. While the name sounds incredibly unique, it may have been more common than you'd think. We've also found another pub, this time in Belfast, that shared a variation of the name and also existed in the same era. 
In 2012, Belfast author Glenn Patterson released the book The Mill for Grinding Old People Young. The inspiration for the title of the book came from the name of a pub that he discovered while doing historical research on the city. The pub existed at the end of the 18th century on the corner of Skiggerneal Avenue and Shore Road. A look around Google Street shows that nothing of that period exists anymore on that crossroads and that any signs of such a pub or a successor pub are long gone. In 1957, there appeared one of several adverts listing the sale of the pub. In those adverts, interestingly, they gave details on what the turnover of the pub had been in its last trading year. The figure quoted was 15392 for the entire year. The asking price for the pub was £8,000. The pub is still derelict today, and we'd like to think that if it ever gets redeveloped into a pub once more, that it'll have a nicely bizarre name and an eye-catching sign all ready to go. That must surely have been the most bizarre pub name ever to exist in Dublin at any time. Well, we do have another that might contend with it. It's another one where your brain does not quite know what to do with the words, so I'll just come out and say it. The pub is called The Three Jolly Topers. Once more, The Three Jolly Topers. So, a few questions come to mind. What is a toper? What are they jolly about? And is there any significance to there being three of them? So I'll start in order. A toper is a hard drinker, someone who can put away their booze and still be standing at the end of the night. They're long-distance runners rather than sprinters, so to speak, and are all about the longevity of their sessions. The verb to tope was to accept a wager by drinking on it, so if you and a pal in a pub wanted to bet on a horse, you might shake on it to affirm that the bet has been made, but to really seal the deal, you could tope on it and share a drink and create a bond over the bet. What are they jolly about? Well, I suppose that's more clear now. They're jolly because they're drunk. Why three? Why not? The pub seems to have existed close to the banks of the Talca River and may have been a pub in which sailors congregated. We get some insight into the nature of the pub from a poem in the Irish Independent from 1914. I'll read you a few excerpts that give some colour to the pub. "'Twas up at the three jolly topers after mass on last Patrick's day, and the boys for a chat and their shamrocks to down dropped in in the usual way. When a varied selection of drinks had been served from harmless hot bitters to the malt, the stories began and a few of the yarns could have done with the seasoning of salt. I'm only a simple mariner man, as simple as mariners be, whose lives are spent on the vasty deeps of the ever-changing sea. So my tale is the guileless, innocent tale of a simple mariner man, and I'll tell it to you, friends good and true, as truthfully as I can. I'll skip for it a little bit now. For they're old and worn and lean and bare, they have most lost their coats, but I recollect them a spirited pair that hated to tow the boats. They bolted one day from Drumcondra Bridge at a pace that was fit to kill, and were only stopped by the smell of the oats as they swept past Myrta's mill. A child of the sea, the royal canal, by all is admitted to be, and if we are true sons of that child, says I, then we're grandsons of the sea. Oh, Jer, I was right, leave it there, says he, and he shook me by the hand, then drank up his half and went through the door, he forgot it was his turn to stand. 
That rhyme gives you a bit of an idea of the characters and drinking that might have gone on in this pub of old, but it's not the only time that the pub or the theme of the Jolly Toper is mentioned in song or in print. There's a song by P.W. Joyce of the same name. Uh, Here's a snippet from the Irish Traditional Music Archive showing how the tune went. The first verse of the song tells you much of what you need to know about the Jolly Toper phrase. Jolly Topers attend as you sit in full quorum, hear what Bacchus decrees and then fill every jorum, all your customs to sanction and save them from sinking, you must precedence find in the annals of drinking. Briskly push round the glass, then let this be the chorus, we are true Jolly Topers and drink all before us. This name hasn't been totally unique to this particular pub. A pub named the Jolly Toper once existed on Church Street in Finglas, and it's now the Village Inn. This actually bore the name quite recently. There's also two pubs of the same name in the UK. So we've ascertained that the pub was well enough known to have a poem written about it and published in the Irish Independent, and that a song of the same name exists. But we can also tell you that James Joyce was aware of its existence, and most likely had a drink there at some point. We deduce this from the fact that he mentions the pub in both Ulysses and in Finnegan's Wake. I'll only read you a short extract from that work as I'm not going to be able to decipher exactly what it is I'm saying. Lovely tint, embellished by the charms of art, and very well conducted, and nicely mannered, and all the horrid, rudy noises locked up in nasty cubby hole. As tired as they were, the three jolly topers, with their mouths watering, all the four, the old connubial men of the sea, yambling around in their old pantometer in ducasolopics. It appears that he is referencing the pub and not the song, as he then goes on to talk about measuring fathoms, something the sailor patrons of the pub would have been accustomed to. I'll preface this Ulysses reading with the same caveat that I don't really know what I'm reading for you. Theodore's cousin in Dublin Castle, one Tony relative in every family, hardy annuals he presents her with, saw him out at the three jolly topers marching along bareheaded and his eldest boy carrying one in a market net. The squalors. Poor thing. Then having to give the breast year after year all hours of the night. Selfish those TTs are. Dog in the manger. Only one lump of sugar in my tea, if you please. It does sound like an interesting and vibrant sort of place. A pub known for its association with a single trade. Usually pubs that are remembered today relating to a trade are usually related to journalism. Probably because the ones that preserve that memory for posterity were journalists themselves. So we owe thanks to Messrs Joyce and Joyce and the unnamed author in the Indo for their contribution preserving the memory of this Tolka pub of the past. And now on to our third and final pub. This one isn't chosen because it has a strange name, but because of how it came by its name in the first place. You might be forgiven for thinking, as we did for many years, that Rody Boland's pub in Rathmines was named after the current owner, or comes from a previous owner on the same location. The real story, however, is much more complicated than that. Not only is the pub named after a man who is not the owner, it also takes its name from a pub that once existed long, long ago on Queen Street in Nina, County Tipperary. 
It's not uncommon for closed pubs to be broken down and its parts sold off, moving to other pubs around Ireland. In fact, there's numerous occasions where near-hole pubs have been deconstructed and moved abroad, recreating the Irish aesthetic for a foreign audience. In the case of Rody Bolins and Rathmines, various parts of this expansive pub were taken from its near namesake in Nina, a pub that closed its doors in the 1930s during an economic downturn in the region. The pub was established in 1873 by the McMahon family from County Clare, before coming into the possession of Edward Boland and taking his name in around 1900. Apparently the pub did a very good trade during the time it was open. Ledgers from the early 20th century are kept in pristine condition in the new incarnation of the pub, documenting who owed what, their purchase history and whether bills had been settled at the time of the pub's closing. The documents included their address, townland and sometimes profession. Regular and known customers appeared to have been given leeway when paying, allowed to accrue credit, paying when they received their wages or were able. When Kieran O'Mara took over the pub in 1993, he had a clear vision for what he wanted the pub to look like. As an apprentice, Kieran came to Dublin at the age of 14, put on a bus to learn the trade, as so many young men from Tipperary did in those days. He worked his way up the ladder, managing, opening and owning several pubs along the way. Prior to taking it over, the pub was named Streets, which certainly conjures up a different image than the rural pub come sports bar that exists there today. Kieran remembered the facade of Boland's pub from his hometown and always saw it as the archetype of what a traditional pub was. When the opportunity presented itself to put to good use that which had fallen into disrepair and disuse, Kieran took the initiative to give the old Nina pub a new lease of life. While many of the artefacts from the pub were in good condition, the pub itself appears to have become a dusty museum where elements of it were kept as they were simply because they were never moved. Photographs of the inside of the pub from when it was cleared show a setting that is equal parts storage room and early century town pub. Today, there is a double entrance to the pub, with a street-facing facade that will be familiar to anyone who passes by on a regular basis, but behind that there is a second entrance that was taken from the front of the original roadies. To fit its new home, the front was slightly cut to size, but the wood and design is still all entirely original. The doors of the pub were slightly too large to be kept in their original position, so they now take up a decorative place on the walls in the smoking area between the two entrances. In this area, there's also a painted mural of Mr. Rody Boland himself. The O'Maras took it upon themselves to commission the painting in tribute, as there existed no photographs of decent quality to hang in a prominent position. Rody is wearing a beret-style cap, and behind him is a copy of On Fublacht, an Irish Republican newspaper that he used to sell in the pubs of Nina and elsewhere. Although the pub closed in 1930, it was still occupied and used by Rody Boland himself. He lived above the pub for his whole life, being custodian of the building and keeping it practically untouched. Keeping the front bar untouched wasn't as a result of Rody's careful preservation work, but rather because the whole front was painted in tar in 1926, preserving it perfectly for decades. Inside the front bar, you can immediately see three elements from the original pub. The bar, the shelving, and the snug, albeit reordered somewhat. In the shelving, behind the bar there are still the original drawers that once held tea leaves, spices and other goods sold in the pub. In fact, if you put your nose into the drawers, you can still get a whiff of some of the old spice aromas, long since disintegrated into the wood. And the shelves beside the drawers are some of the collection of original pub ledgers, some approximately 100 years old at this stage. The old snug from Boland's as it was in its Tipperary incarnation has been recreated in a somewhat unusual but fun manner in its new Rathmines home. The snug isn't tucked away or located in the corner of the pub, but rather is midway down this very long and open bar. 
Two walls and a door have been fitted in such a way that those sitting in the snug could have a pint in relative secrecy while groups of up to a hundred swarm around them watching a match. It's certainly one of the more creative uses of the snug concept we've seen in the city. The reclaimed elements of a long disused pub have been repurposed and put to good use, ensuring that craftsmanship and heritage have been preserved for future generations to enjoy. It's extraordinary that a pub that closed in the 1930s could be so untouched for so long that it was still usable in the 1990s. Aside from the physical protections created, the family stories of the McMahons, the Bolands and now the O'Maras are now certain to live on, and their contribution to the communities of Nina and Rathmine celebrated for many years to come. So there you have the stories behind three of the more interesting names in the annals of Dublin pub lore. We'll be sure to delve deeper into other names that we come across in the archives and probably do a few other episodes on the same topic. If you have some strangely named pubs in Dublin or in other areas of Ireland, we'd love to hear about it. You can contact me, John, via publinie at gmail.com or on Twitter or on our Instagram. If you wouldn't mind giving the podcast a rating, that would be a great help to getting the word out. Thanks again and see you next week. Launch it. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.